You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hey, 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 this is the show, this is the show, this is Interview with the Comic Book Nerd with Richard Cardenas, that's me. Hey guys, alright, so, we are here, how's everyone's week going? It is Wednesday, the day that I released this episode. Um, let's see, did anything interesting happen to me? Uh, no, actually, nothing interesting happened to me because this weekend I decided I was gonna relax, relaxy, relaxy. And what I did was on Friday, I don't remember that day, so we're not going to talk about it. On Saturday, I spent most of my day in my in my room on the bed playing video games. And that video game is, well, I said video games, but I don't remember any other video game that I played other than Horizon Zero Dawn, which I got to say, I got all my tall necks. For those of you who know what I'm talking about, holla. Um, so I got all my tall necks, which means that I cleared the entire map. Or I didn't clear it, but I can see it now. I see where everything's at now. Um, so that's exciting. I've got like a dungeon left to do, which is nice. Uh, and yeah, so that's what I did all day Saturday. I'm not even joking. Like I woke up, I made breakfast, I ate the breakfast, and then I played video games all day. And then I saw a movie that my friend made. Um, and cause he wanted feedback on it. So that's, that was Saturday. Sunday was work, like just work. I have, uh, this project that I got, that I think I told you guys about uh, a while back, a few episodes ago that I'm doing, it's going to be a YouTube series that I am producing, that I'm making, that I'm editing, that I'm filming, that I'm doing everything for, uh, except for who's in it. <laughs> Those are different people. I am. I am featured a little bit in them, but anyway, I'm working on that. I'm doing the editing right now for that, for that web series. Uh, it's coming together nicely. I've been putting it off for a while while doing it here and there, but I haven't really been doing as much as I should be doing. And so finally Sunday, I was like, fuck it. I'm learning Premiere. And so I, I did cause I was using a different system, which was much more intuitive, but Premiere offers like faster editing, I guess. Um, it's just faster for me to edit on that. So I was learning some uh, some little things, how to do titles and blah, blah, because I've never used Premiere before. Uh, and yeah, so finally getting shit done. And that's what I spent all day Sunday doing. And then, of course, Game of Thrones, which holla to Elena, Lady Elena, um, also rest in peace. Uh, spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so yeah that was that was my weekend how about you guys how, how's i hope everything's going all right with you guys um but yeah let's get into the recap now to do to do um all right so this week i am talking about uncanny avengers number 25 and this is uh what's currently going on um this is the latest issue that just came out uh, i think it came out like two weeks ago so you, you, you've had time. Um, all right. So this issue, number 25, this is written by Jim Zub. Art is by Kim Jacinto, Janoy Lindsay, and Juanin Ramirez. Colors by Tamara Bonvillain and Rachel Rosenberg. Letters by VCs. That's virtual calligraphy. Uh, VCs, Clayton Cowles. All right. So this is actually like a continuation of a story. This is part two in their secret uh, empire tie-in. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of the previously. So previously on, uh, basically, these are events from Secret Empire, as I said, 
uh, and the Unity Squad. This is the 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 squad's name, Unity Squad. They're not called Uncanny Avengers. That's just the book, but they're called Unity Squad. Uh, they're trapped in Manhattan under this like demon sphere thing, and uh, this is basically because Captain America orchestrated that all these heroes would be in Manhattan or New York. I don't know where in New York, but I think it's Manhattan. Uh, they would all be in Manhattan and uh, he put this like demons, demon sphere thing over them to like trap them in here in there so that they couldn't do anything against him. And it worked. Um, so right now, Dagger of Cloak and Dagger is keeping the entire city that's being trapped. She's keeping it all lit up because there's no electricity. And without her, it would just be pitch black. And so the Unity Squad has been trying to like keep civilians safe from demons and stuff. Last we saw, Dr. Voodoo was being possessed by a demon, and then Rogue got herself in a scuffle with Scorpia and Shocker. Scorpia, not Scorpion. I don't know her, but she looks like Scorpion. But anyway, Scorpia and Scorpion, uh, sorry, Shocker. And so that led them into being surrounded by all these like demon things underground. So now we're at this issue. Uh, we open up with Rogue, Scorpia, and Shocker deciding that they need to team up to get out of this mess. While they fight, Rogue is questioning her leadership skills. In the previous issue, the team is turning to her for instructions and she doesn't really know how to handle it. She's like yelling at them to just keep fighting. And Janet, uh, this is Wasp, the original Wasp, uh, she's trying to get her to like really take time and think of a plan. But Rogue is like, there is no time. You just have to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. And she runs off and basically gets herself into this little mini mess. Uh, meanwhile, Synapse, uh, or Synapse, I don't know how you would pronounce it. I think it's Synapse, though. Um, she is an inhuman with telepathy. I think her power is more about, like, brain wiring than just reading minds. She's able to, like, rewire what people are feeling and thinking, I think. It, it's complicated, I think, with her power, like, what it is exactly. But she does have some telepathy like she's able to communicate with people through telepathy but she rewires them it's weird anyway i guess she's kind of like a like a professor x but way less powerful or maybe she is and maybe she she's as she's not as powerful anyway so she and the human torch are basically trying to figure out what to do about the possessed dr voodoo while janet is like fighting demons and they decide that they need to try to contact Dr. Voodoo, but they learn that his body isn't in, I mean, his spirit isn't in his body anymore. So eventually Dr. Voodoo contacts her and he suggests that he take control of her body with her permission. Of course, he does ask permission, which is lovely. <laughs> um, Rogue and the bad guys are able to defeat, to, to defeat uh, their little horde. But then like this giant kaiju ass demon appears. And so they're like, oh, crap. Like now we got to deal with that. Wasp and Johnny still fighting the demons. Um, they're trying to get Synapse or they're trying to like clear a little bit of the way so that Synapse can get um, to Dr. Voodoo's body. And this is possessed Synapse now, I guess, or I guess a shared body Synapse. And they're trying to get to possessed do uh, Dr. Voodoo. Um, they start fighting and the demon is kind of overpowering her and he tells her that she doesn't have enough strength. And so Voodoo Synapse replies that they know someone who does. So then we cut back to Rogue and she's come up with this plan. And I think I, I'm not 100% sure this is what happens, but it looks like this is what happened. Uh, she flies Scorpia and Shocker directly into the demon, like into the side of his face and into his body. And so they start fighting him from within to kill it. 
Um, so that was like weird, but that's what happened. I think that's what happened. I think that's implied of uh, that's what is implied from the art because you don't see any like buildings around them. It's just all like purple background and stuff. But then once they're outside, then you see the building. So I think that they were inside him fighting him from within. But anyway, Shocker makes a joke saying something like, does this mean we're X-Men now? It's cute. Uh, Rogue gets contacted telepathically by Synapse and she flies off to fight Dr. Uh, Voodoo and the demon. Uh, or just the demon because he's possessing Dr. Voodoo. Both. Eh, whatever. When she arrives, she starts fighting the possessed Voodoo and like literally rips the demon out of him. Uh, it's like this like snake dragon thing and she just like grabs it and rips it out of his mouth. Um, don't worry, his body is intact. Uh, so they end up winning the fight and Janet says that they need to figure out how the team is going to work because Janet uh, has recently come back to the team. She wasn't originally on it. She's like, well, I think she was a re she was on the team before Secret Wars with Rogue. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that whole thing, but this is kind of like the first, I think this is the first time Rogue is being a leader to this team. So it's kind of like weird for them. Um, basically Rogue agrees with her and she says that they need to figure out how to like bring back the light before they can figure anything else out with the team. And the rest is going to be continued in Secret Empire number six, which is already out. So, um, yeah, I haven't read Secret Empire number six. I'm so behind, but anyway... There's a fun book. I really liked it. I really like the art. I'm not sure if this is a whole brand new art team. I know they put they brought more people onto this issue specifically uh, to do the art on it, but I really enjoyed it. Um, so that's cool. What I'm really excited about is Scarlet Witch is possibly joining the team. Um, there's a little thing that uh, at the end of the at, at the end of the issue that said like. All right, next issue, the witch is back. And then the next page is the cover of Rogue and Scarlet Witch, like having a little face off or whatever, uh, their profiles facing each other. So I'm excited for that. Uh, I don't know a lot about the Scarlet Witch. Like I know a lot, but it's all hearsay, I guess. Like I've never actually read anything with her. Um, I tried her solo series. I read the first issue and I was not into it whatsoever. So I didn't continue it. Um, and I... I think it might have been canceled. I don't think it's going anymore, but or it might be. I don't know. I'm not paying attention to it, I guess. But her uh, from what I do know of her, I guess, just like who she is from, you know, my understanding, I think that she's one of the most fascinating characters in the Marvel Universe. And so um, I'm I'm glad to be able to see her come into a team that I am new with as well. Actually, you know what? I do know her a little bit, but I only know her from her from her original X-Men run, like in the 60s, and then also the Avengers, because I'm currently reading both of those. Um, and, you know, she's she's treated like every woman is treated <laughs> back in the 60s and 70s, which is really poorly. So uh, she's not very developed in those. But uh, as far as modern times, Scarlet Witch, I don't know too much, you know, myself reading her. But anyway, I'm excited for that. Uh, let's talk about what's in the news. There um, isn't really much that I want to talk about, honestly. The only thing that I will talk about is the very first photo of Zazie Beats as Domino for the uh, Deadpool sequel. Uh, it they, they posted it for us, or Ryan Reynolds at least posted it for us to see. 
Uh, she's basically doing the same pose that Ryan Reynolds did as Deadpool when his whole uh, marketing thing was going on where he's like laying on top of a bare rug, I think is what he was laying on top of. Um, so it's that, except she's laying on top of a Deadpool like rug or just his costume, I guess. But anyway, she looks really cool. I don't know her work as an actress, but I mean, she looks great. Uh, I don't have any emotional ties to the character, so I don't really have any negative opinions about this. Um, I'm excited to see what she does with it. Uh, the only thing I know about Domino is from what I've been reading in the Weapon X issues that are all, you know, recent. Um, and she seems to be just this badass woman who loves fighting and shooting and loves making money doing it. <laughs> That's pretty much all I know about her, uh, which is fine. Um, I know there were some people complaining that her skin wasn't white uh, because like I guess that's what the mutant is she's like super white and then she has like this black uh tattoo on her eye but honestly like in my opinion my personal my opinion I think that would have looked really silly for any actress to be in all white makeup with a with a black tattoo the way they have it on her it's just her natural skin and then it looks like she has like a birthmark on her face or maybe like vitiligo or something I don't know what it's supposed to be but uh, maybe it is still a tattoo. I don't really know. But uh, I think it looks great. Uh, I think it would have been a little too silly, even for Deadpool. I think it would have been a little too silly if they had her in all white. But I don't know. Do you disagree with that? Let me know. Let, let me know. <laughs> yeah, so let's get on to the interview. This week we are talking about Psylocke, and she is from the X-Men. Uh, she is a mutant, and she has a weird history. <laughs> But we are talking all about that. I have my friend Tommy Haunton on. He is, uh, he does the the podcast Supercharge with my boyfriend, um, and he is, or the the show itself is on the network that I'm on, the Awkward Human Network. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in tech stuff, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I, I like using it. I don't like learning about what goes into it. But anyway, he does a, a podcast with with uh, my boyfriend and that's what it's called, Supercharge. Anyway, he is a lovely little human being and he is on the show because Psylocke was one of his favorite characters growing up because mostly because she was just super sexy and then he just got into her. So <laughs> uh, enjoy this interview with Tommy Haunton all about Psylocke. <laughs> Boop, boop. Say some stuff. Say some stuff. Okay, cool. You're coming in loud and clear. All right. So, um, you have uh some big shoes to fill because a lot of people talk about X Men. Yes, <laughs> X Men are kind of the very popular. Drug. Yeah, but, especially um, for people that grew up in the '90s. Yes. <laughs> uh, start for me. It started with the cartoon. Um. All right. So, Tommy. Hi. hi you're Hello. on my show now. We're yes. we're doing it. You're here. I'm we're, excited. We're hello, people. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Psylocke on this episode, and oh, yeah. Tommy is here to do that for us because I don't think I know much about her. I just know that she's uh, kind of controversial. Um, she's been behind some interesting moments for sure. Uh, her origins are really like any Marvel character, very convoluted mm -hmm. for where she started all the way to where she got. Um, to the, I would say the '90s is where she kind of got her current identity, mm -hmm. but she had some weird stuff going on before. Yeah. So she, <laughs> for, for most people, they know her as the Psylocke they know now with the like spandex and everything. Yeah, That's kind of her iconic. Call it, like the ninja swimsuit. But yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> her and, her, and, and her purplish hair. Yeah. Um, but 
prior to that, she looked very different. She did. So, uh, yeah, it, well, she had some weird... So the first thing that happened is in in the 70s, the UK had a separate version of Marvel. They mm-hmm. had comics printed mainly reprints from the US over there. But there were some writers and artists that were like, we want to do our, our own UK stories. So the Captain America uh, synonym, I guess, they came up with this Captain Britain. Right. And he was a British superhero printed in comics that were not considered like mainline continuity for Marvel. Mm. That were involving Spider-Man and Iron Man with team-ups, but their own like British stories. Mm -hmm. So Captain Britain was part of that. He had a sister named Elizabeth and they were twins. And so she was his sister for most of his run. Uh, She had normal hair for a while. It was pink later and then purple later. Uh, She was a charter pilot at one point. And then a a model. And (laughs) okay. (laughs) Yeah, it it was very random. And she was so a British, you know, uh, son of a and daughter twins of a wealthy family. She had a very spoiled life Mm -hmm. and wasn't trained in anything and just seen as this like, you know, dilettante, I guess. Uh, Eventually, she finds out her brother is Captain Britain. She's like, oh my God, you're the famous superhero for Britain. And at one point, she becomes Captain Britain when he goes missing. But it was all very cheesy stuff. Mm-hmm. And Chris Claremont, the guy that created her, he had something of a, I think, a knack in his heart for wanting to protect his characters. When he began working on work in the U.S., he introduced Captain Britain and Psylocke and into, although she wasn't Psylocke then, but she, he introduced them to the, like the regular Marvel world. Mm-hmm. So they came over to the U.S. Most people's works in Britain were not being carried over to the U.S. at all. They were mad, actually, that that the U.S. editors did not give a shit about their weird post-apocalyptic, you know, steampunk comics. Mm. So they were one of the few that actually came over into the real world. And he kind of worked on her origins. She, basically, her family was retconned to having a relationship with Merlin. Okay. <laughs> the wizard. The wizard from <laughs> Arthur's Legend. And she also got tied into needing to be a badass because how, how is she going to kick ass as a model or a charter pilot? Mm-hmm. So they, they had her get kidnapped by an other dimension being named Mojo and his mm. six-armed ninja warrior spiral. And they, for whatever reason, implant her with robotic eyes and <laughs> <course>. she <laughs> has a reality show uh-huh. in this other dimension. Okay, so... By reality show, they're just like following her around doing her own little thing, or what is she doing? She's fighting people. She's right. got like kind of a, you know a Running Man style show. Uh-huh. But it's just weird that Chris Claremont's like, I created this spoiled sister, and now I want to make her into a cybernetic ninja. Uh huh. So so after that, she's rescued, and she is um, introduced to the X Men like with these abilities, and she for whatever reason makes a pink like satin dress her costume, mm-hmm. which is really ugly. It's pink and purple, <laughs> and she has these weird eyes and it just that's where Psylocke comes from though that's that was her name in that alternate universe mm, okay so at this point the X-Men are like hey you should join us she fought against Sabretooth and like the X-Men like welcome to the team and then she was in this armored version of this purple like almost like hijab because it covers almost all of her face uh-huh it, it's very strange so very, very what, 70s. What, what is her power set oh yeah so originally, she can fly a plane and walk, and, and walk pretty. Uh-huh. Then they made her psychic and then telekinetic at one point. And then 
her, her, her later powers that were realized more in the 90s is she could make psychic bolts of energy. Hmm. So around her fist was always this like tomahawk looking blade made of pink plasma. Hmm. Um, so it's like a psychic weapon. Mm-hmm. So she had a psychic sword and a psychic knife. She was also like a skilled warrior ninja. So those are really her abilities. Okay. But then she got a bunch of stuff added during the 90s when they got bored with her and later on in the 2000s. So she was retconned to be kind of related to, to Merlin. Is she a mutant oh, then? Yes. Or? So she, she's okay. a mutant. They're mutants. They had to really establish. And they're British. Uh, and very like no different ethnicities, very white. Mm-hmm. So after the X-Men, like she after she joined, she had a uh, a big transformation. And this is where a lot of her stuff kicked in. For whatever reason, there's a long convoluted story with Marvel where you go through the thing called the Siege Perilous, which ironically enough is tied to Merlin. Mm-hmm. His daughter Roma is apparently a mutant, or I guess Merlin was too, uh, created the thing called the Siege Perilous, which is this strange like testing ground. And it's a chance for if you were worthy, you get to start over in life. Okay. So all the X-Men to be saved from something were thrown into that and saved. But they all lost their memories. Mm. So for a while in the, I think, late 70s, um, early 80s, most of the X-Men were wandering around amniagic with this, like, Colossus was in Russia painting. Nice. Like, they're all just amnesiacs. <laughs> and Storm gets turned into a baby. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they're all running around. And so Psylocke is in Japan. Mm. And the Iron Man villain, Mandarin, kidnaps her and turns her into his long-lost bride. Like, he just hypnotizes her? Or what do you mean by turns yeah, he, her into? Well, she, she, she has amnesia. So uh-huh. basically, he convinces her okay. to join him and then takes her over. And she <laughs> he pulls back that three-armed ninja spiral, or six-armed ninja, from the other universe to come help him. Mm-hmm. And they mind-meld him... His, his wife, uh, or his dead wife, Quanon, and her body with Psylocke and her body. Quanon is Japanese. Uh-huh. Psylocke's white and British <laughs> and blonde at one point. And they switched the bodies and melded their brains together. So now Psylocke this, is in the body of this ninja assassin. Wow. Who's Japanese. Uh-huh. So she switched races. Okay. What... So is this kind of like a rogue situation where she has like two personalities going on? Yes, or this they... is right. This is okay. right around that time, actually. And so Psylocke has Quanon. Quanon's body. She has okay, just her body, but she, they're not like sharing the body. Well, again, they, the way they worded it is such bullshit because it's like, <laughs> and a lot of this was also retcon too to how they would interact because at one point another person showed up in the late nineties who claimed to be Quanon. Mm-hmm. in Psylocke's body, original body. Okay. And so then the question is like, which one's the imposter? Who's real? Uh, and her name was Revenge, but actually, yeah, I think it ended, they ended up making it really Quanon's mind in Psylocke's body. Okay. But then you have, they look very similar. Oh, really? Yeah, they. Can, I think they realized their race changing was controversial. <laughs> and so it's just odd that like these characters are drawn very close together, but then she just becomes Japanese. <laughs> yeah, it, that was a very strange moment. Um, so do they, at this point, do we is that a thing that they like she went from being this british white woman to being or do they just not like mention that at all they don't really of, mention it i okay. mean she she doesn't look terribly different but her skin got darker and she turned japanese like right. again it wasn't like it was yeah because sila if you look before it's like someone gets a really bad nose job and you're like oh you're the same person but you look different <laughs> okay 
And yeah, that was a really, again, an odd choice. And they nothing got that extreme later on with her. But what really changed uh, after she turned into the Japanese woman was the artist Jim Lee redesigned her look mm-hmm. uh, and made it into the sexy ninja bathing suit um, that most people remember. Right. And that's where I jumped in because I got the early books of the 90s right when Jim Lee launched his own title with the writer who created Psylocke and she was part of the main team now. Okay. In her sexy ninja bathing suit. Um, and which title is this? X-Men. Oh, yeah. So there was always the long-running Uncanny X-Men. Mm-hmm. It didn't always have Uncanny in front of it. Right. That's the original from the 60s. Okay. And then in the 90s, Jim Lee was one of the best-selling artists in the industry. Mm-hmm. And Chris Claremont was a huge X-Men writer. He created Psylocke and a lot of extra characters after Stanley's first kind of run in the 70s. He really shaped a lot of what Marvel characters kind of are popular now. Mm-hmm. So he got a separate book of Jim Lee that okay. was his kind of X-Men team. Mm-hmm. And the teams are now divided. There's X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue. Uh. And so Psylocke was now a main player on the team. Mm-hmm. And so this launched her to basically giving cover status off and she got sub-stories. And that's where I read most of her stuff. Okay. And there was the weirdest one uh, subplot was was she was in love with Cyclops. Mm. And there are several points where she seduces him. And just, it's a lot of looks of her like in a towel or like a bikini, <laughs> like glancing sexily at him and him looking like, huh? Because as you'll see, Cyclops is kind of a very dull character. Yeah. Who is just, they've tried to change that like, like now, making him more ballsy and more edgy. Mm-hmm. But he's Cyclops. Like he never will be interesting for whatever reason. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, some of the sexy ninja assassin finds him interesting. So was she successful at like... Yes, there is a very famous uh, panel I remember when they're staying in like some winter winter cabin somewhere and she comes out of the shower as he's walking in and she's got a towel and then you see them in the covers together. Oh, wow. With like them in bed and like she's over him. (laughs) No, was this... Oh, oh God, how do I ask this question? Was this before or after or before or after Jean Grey died? Um, which, which one? <laughs> the, which the, time? The, the, uh, the second time? So she was Phoenix and she died then mm-hmm. and then she was resurrected. Yes. Um, uh, no, she was alive at this point. Okay. Oh, she was alive yeah. and they weren't together? Uh, they were. Oh, wow. It's cheating. Oh, that Cyclops. But they hadn't gotten married yet. Oh, well then that's okay. And I, th- <laughs> and I, I God, I want to go back and look at these because they're very tasteless now, but... It's like, I think at one point he even used as an argument for Jean, like, she was, you know, manipulating me with her mind. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, that makes Psy- Psylocke kind of like a mind raper. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, a rapist. Yeah. Um, does Psylocke ever have to, like, kind of, does she ever go through any kind of back and forth struggle about what's going on with her, like her identity or anything? The fact that she switched bodies and. Yeah, at one point she switched back. It, it, the problem is that. Obviously, one with Marvel and any ongoing continuity, this character has been written for 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have tons of issues coming out, you've got to cover weird subplots. Like, mm-hmm. I think a bunch of creative board writers having to fill time will do crazy shit. Right. But with her character, especially because of her body switching, she's psychic. She especially gets some kooky storylines, like not Jubilee turning into a vampire kooky, <laughs> but um, she at one point gets killed by Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. And then they take her to some Doctor Strange-style cave, and she gets a red tattoo over her eye, like Mike Tyson-esque. Oh. And it's called the Crimson Dawn. It gives her more powerful stuff. At one point, she loses her ability to be psychic because she gets in a fight with a psychic bad guy named Shadow King, mm-hmm. who in the psychic realm 
she beat him, but she'd always have to hold him down. Oh. So because of that, mentally, she could no longer be psychic because it would distract her from that. So now she could only fight. Okay, so is that something like giving up her ability to keep it there for him? Or is she like actively in her head keeping him down? That's, I mean, she's just like yeah, running yeah, around yeah. fighting. <laughs> yeah, it's in her mind, but just it, it was weird because it's like, okay, I'm no longer psychic. Okay. I guess that's kind of like a, a cable situation where he oh. uses his psychic abilities to like keep the whatever that disease is called, ter- techno. Yeah, the technovirus. Yeah. Yes, the technovirus arm, virus yeah. at bay. So he doesn't really use his psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see that. Um, but I think it's just sometimes they like to just change things for the sake of change. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, Psylocke hasn't had a you know B story in a while. Let's add this thing in. Mm-hmm. And they're usually very poorly thought out. So at one point she became a human shadow. A human shadow? What More does or less. that mean? Uh, she could blend into shadows. Oh, and, like, okay. There would be the shadowy form of her. Uh, she became, oh, she realized she loved killing. <laughs> she loved it. So I was actually about to ask that. Um, I know her as kind of being like this badass, you know, as you said, ninja, mm-hmm. you know, woman. Was she always like that? No, uh, that's again, she started out as like the prissy sister, like twin sister of a British superhero. Mm-hmm. And she was always very mild mannered, very meek. Like they always drew her very delicately. Right. And so just, it's weird that Chris Claremont's like, we're going to turn you into a ninja. Uh huh. And okay. an Asian one at that. Right. So it was only after Jim Lee kind of got his hands on her and started drawing her as a more deadly, not as as innocent, more muscular figure. Mm-hmm. Um, she got swords. Oh, they claim that they've slimmed down her outfit and made it uh, more revealing because she it was a way of boasting how good she was. <laughs> because she could say... Because pre- it's not practical. Yes. Her, her previous outfit had tons of armor. Uh-huh. So th- the argument was, well, I'm now so skilled as a fighter because then I'm now in the body of a fighter that I don't need armor at all. So come and get me, boys. <laughs> like that kind of thinking. Nice. Um, when does she realize that she has a love for killing? Um, it's in her later. See, the character, I think, was interesting when she was sexy. And that's because I was a teenage boy, you know, <laughs> at one point. Uh, but this figure was so sexy and interesting that I was just intrigued. Because she was a very closed book. She's very mysterious. Um, often her like stalking people, you'd see her in the background of the shadows. Like she was mysterious and interesting. Her previous version was not. Mm-hmm. And I think they realized that obviously it's a bit sexist to make characters that are just sexy, like the, you know, the the typical characters you would see in the early days of wish fulfillment. But with this. I think they wanted to give her something more deep, an arc of some kind. Mm. She had also been dating Archangel for a long time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I think since 90, since yeah, since the mid-90s, they were together. Um, and they had different breakups back at one point. At one point, it became the god of death, and that kind of like did things to them. Mm. Couple-wise, because you're the god of death killing people, <laughs> you know, possessed by apocalypse. So they've had moments, but they always were together. Mm-hmm. And then he, I think he needed a reason to back away from her. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, we'll make her dark and edgy. So various, like the X Factor run especially, because it's X Factor is the secret organization that does more CIA tiles, uh, style strikes, mm-hmm. basically killing people before their threats. Okay, uh, before we go into that, I want to a little bit explore the relationship between her and Archangel, because Archangel, as you said, was basically sort of like a creation of Apocalypse. Yes. Um, and he does become a darker character. And so you said that he, they've made Psylocke darker and therefore split them apart. Was it 
like did that not work out because he didn't want to be dark or like he was becoming too dark or yeah i think i mean because angel is one of the original x-men people don't often realize he's been around forever Mm -hmm. and they wanted to actually i think the transformation to archangel was a pretty clever one um they gave him a cool new i mean talk about rebooting i mean he went from stupid feathers to you know (laughs) sharp metal wings that could hurt people uh they made his skin blue for some reason Uh um but yeah, he was an interesting character because he was the god of death for Apocalypse. And then back when the writing arcs were seen as more jolly, he didn't really go very dark. He wrestled with being evil, but he was fine. Mm-hmm. He was just a rich playboy okay, uh, named Warren Worthington III. So they really made his character interesting with when he got possessed the second time. Mm-hmm. They made him very dark and very brooding, um, almost like a Shakespearean type figure who was, you know, a reluctant heir to a family empire and he was just really broken by all the damage he's done. Mm-hmm. Very uh, wanting to be alone. And then you find out Psylocke ended up doing a very bad thing and lied about it. And he finds out that not only did she do it, but that she lied to him about it. And so I think um, them was interesting. It put her in a darker place because she they wanted to get her back to being sexy, apparently. Mm-hmm. So then she goes off with a bunch of the other masked killers around. Not like Deadpool, but a guy named Phantom X who's a French white-cloaked killer and and this is in X-Force? X-Factor. X-Factor. Yeah. And then there's an uncanny X-Force. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's interesting seeing the transformation from her from being this, like, innocent little sister to being someone that's like, I like killing and I've got to be alone. Uh-huh. So when she's on this new team, the X-Factor team, and she's kind of allowed to explore her darker side and you know like her love for killing apparently what's her role in this team she's more of the attacking kind of analysis offense planning um they made her a pilot you know even more pronounced when she can do like charter pilots don't really have to do evasive measures Mm -hmm. but now she's you know a fantastic pilot and strategist she's got telekinesis and anything psychic it used to be just like i can read minds and then or see the future or basic knowledge but mm-hmm. then they added in the physical aspects for her fighting mm. um so yeah they made her into this dark brooding badass japanese character mm-hmm. from what was originally a runway model and a charter pilot you know in right. britain so it's just watching where these things go is kind of funny yeah um going back to the psychic thing um so you did mention that she was fighting the shadow king and she was holding him down at what point is she able to not have to do that anymore. Honestly, I don't even remember the end of that because it, it just, the real challenge, and I'm sure you're talking about this, is is writers inherit series. You know, you go on for a, a book and you're on it for two years and then you're done. Mm-hmm. And then other writers have to pick it up. I think someone hated that idea so much that when they got it, I think it was either removed without mentioning it or like <laughs> a throwaway line like, oh yeah, what happened to that thing? And it's like, oh, never mind. I took care of it. Or, he, got, he got away. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I got my psychic powers back. Yeah, okay. I think that one was, yeah, some of her weirdness definitely writers started to, like, push away from. Like, her being a shadow figure was really ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yes, and they eventually removed the red tattoo as well. I think when they realized, like, 90s facial tattoos were not cool anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, so, when you compare her psychic abilities to her ninja fighting, which one kind of, like, fares better? Uh, her ninja stuff was definitely better at first because initially only her psychic stuff was very weak and her psychic knives were supposed to be really big. Mm-hmm. And like that was her main offensive force is using his energy. But then at one point it was said that she was as powerful as Jean Grey or as Xavier. Oh, wow. 
which again it's a pretty big jump yeah that no they're like the most yeah powerful exactly psychics so <laughs> you're reading a line where someone's like so like i think your powers you know are, are even more superior than mine and it's like professor x what are you saying like where did that come from <laughs> um so does she ever get to test that out with with them or anything like is there any kind of battle that she goes through <laughs> against Jean Grey or maybe Emma Frost or anything like that uh yeah she and Emma would often fight just because like with our two sexy ladies uh-huh. you know we all can't be sexy uh at the same time <laughs> that's I mean because those are the two most sexualized I think out of all of them just from the way yeah that, that sounds costumes. about right <laughs> but uh, there there are a few there's actually a storyline where she has to fight against herself okay actually they love doing that they love that symbol of for whatever reason uh so there's the one where she fought the clone of Quanin that was impersonating her. Um, but this one was fighting an older version of herself. Okay. Again, like alternate future where the world's evil and you find out she's the one running it. Mm-hmm. So like, it's her fighting middle-aged her. Okay. Does she ever become a horseman of apocalypse? Uh, in the movie, she did. Okay. So that was just a movie thing. Yeah. It's, I think it was because they wanted to give Olivia Munn a bigger part or reason for being in it. They didn't give her one. Yeah, they were still they, they, <laughs> they, they still didn't. They still didn't give her one. Okay. Um, so I think are you caught up on any current stuff that she's in right now? I was yeah, I was just about to pick up uh the latest trade of whatever team she's on now. It's either she's used she was an X Men for a while. They did an all new uh women's team for X Men a few years oh. ago. Okay. Well what was she doing in there? She was she she and Storm, I think, were like the, the senior members of the team. It was, yeah, it was it was an all-ladies team, but only lasted like four or five issues, which really irked me oh. before they started changing up the roster. Um, but I think she's on, and then she went to X Factor when she really liked killing. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be current soon. But okay. I, I still follow it, but it's not for the same reasons anymore. <laughs> you know, as a boy, I was like, oh, pretty girl and, you know, with a sword and a swimsuit, that's awesome. Yeah. And then seeing just the interesting path they've taken her on. Mm-hmm. What is one of the kind of like more iconic stories that you can remember of her? Oh, I mean, the the big one is definitely the Lady Mandarin when she f- becomes Japanese. Okay. Um, it's the first, again, Chris Claremont. I think, yeah, like we said, playing with an old creation of yours and kind of giving it, uh, you know, an update and maybe fixing for mistakes in the past, you can tell he does it with some characters of his. And mm-hmm. I think Psylocke is one. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, here's someone I created that I can plunge into this interesting role. So you get to see some real anguish in her struggling with being taken over and then being a killer. And so then she's brainwashed and sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of the most memorable ones. When she is on the X-Men, like X-Men Jim Lee's run that started in the 90s, um, that was a good run for her. He again, Chris, Chris Claremont, the writer again, mm-hmm. you know, he pushed more stuff in, in for her, um, making her more powerful, mm-hmm. I think, to make action scenes more interesting. So um, this just popped into my head. You had mentioned earlier that she fights Sabretooth and he kills her. Yeah, and it's a callback to when she first joined the X-Men. She was recuperating in the mansion after she got rescued from being a robot reality star. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sabretooth broke in. And so she basically used a psychically like lured him and trapped him. And they're like, oh, well, you're handy. We should join the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's where... I think the modern incarnation of her came from. So it's interesting to see that. 
Okay. Because so, again, here's this character again that out of nowhere just starts being badass. Right. So I, I like those stories. Well, they needed to do that with her. Yeah. Because she was bland. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pretty much. Um. So how did how did if she's dead? How does she come back? Oh, sorry. So yeah. So that was the first story. The second story then was mirrored. And you can tell they wanted to like pay homage to that original story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sabretooth attacks her and he gets out and he's like, this is revenge, sweetheart. And, you know, he kills her. And <laughs> her mangled body is the end of the issue. It's very dramatic. Uh-huh. And then Angel's like, no. And so <laughs> he has to go with Doctor Strange to get the. Oh, crim- that's right. Crimson you did Dawn. mention yeah. that. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, does she, what does she. Does she have any kind of relationship with Doctor Strange? Because. Nope. No. They just call upon him, bring me back to life. I think they really enjoy, I guess he was bored at the time because he goes on the journey with them. But I think Marvel just enjoyed promoting their titles within each other. So there's a lot of team uh, team ups. Mm-hmm. And then, especially for them, the idea of visiting characters between each other was the appeal of the universe, but also it it was something the writers loved doing. I think yeah, I think the fun. I think the writers you get on you're like well I'm working on X Men but I've always been a Doctor Strange fan I've always wanted to write for him so it's your chance to you know you can borrow other characters right they do have to make you agree with the editor of the title and make sure it works that timing wise but I think some writers are just like oh it'd be cool to put these characters I've always liked together just because I want to write this scene mm-hmm. so it's very much a form of fan fiction at certain points mm-hmm. does she ever go straight up just bad guy um only in when she's well yeah there's times everyone has it's when you're possessed by a bad guy okay so she was possessed yeah oh yeah at one point everyone's possessed um but yeah only a few of those like after the guy's defeated that she's good again um there's the future one i mentioned where she's got like an evil dictatorial rule in the world and they're gonna stop her future self Mm. but nothing where she's full out of evil okay like they definitely want to raise that she's mysterious Mm -hmm. and when she's taken over by uh mandarin becomes lady mandarin and in the body of quanan there is a question of her loyalty. There is like a little bit of a Homeland subplot, like mm-hmm. the first season of Homeland, like, well, is she or isn't she? You know, she's good or not. Mm-hmm. So making her interesting and sexy, I think was always, who is she? What is she really doing? She's not really saying much, but not like full level turn tail and turn heel. Mm-hmm. Um, so most recently, I think she was on the Uncanny X-Men where Magneto was kind of headlining that mm. series. Um, have you read that one? Um, I Yes, I have. Okay, so what is she up to there? How, why is she working with Sabretooth again? I think, again, the idea that they have a lot of history. You know, she she's one of the few heroes that has been able to do deals with Sabretooth and Lady Deathstrike and Spiral, the crazy six-armed ninja from the alternate universe. Um, she's known as being very pragmatic and the fact that she's so mysterious. I think they love playing up with these like more shady characters because mm-hmm. you're like, is she? What's what's her game? Mm-hmm. People forget she's like filthy rich and British, but <laughs> the idea that she's like got the ninja creepiness and element of of what am I? What is my loyalty? And then I think the sparks that come from the history of Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she's willing to forgive. I think there's some banter about you know them fighting and, but I think Sabretooth is also a character they will turn good temporarily just to make him interesting mm-hmm. because then you've had him for what this even longer, almost sixty years. Yeah, a long you know. Time. Uh, what is her relationship like with her brother? Like, do do they ever explore kind of what happens after she's turned into this Japanese ninja? Yeah, and it's funny because he was again. It was she came out of his title. Mm-hmm. You know, he was Captain Britain, which they thought would be huge, and it was temporarily. And it had some great writers behind it too. But he really faded into obscurity. In fact, Alan Moore uh, got his hands on him 
and helped because they this Marvel UK division they came from they wanted the best of Britain's writers so a lot of them started early in comics. And so Alan Moore helped frame a lot of Captain Britain from this cheesy, like, I'm a man in a patriotic suit to almost like the Green Lantern Corps. Every reality of Marvel's Marvel has a um, lighthouse that Captain Britain guards, and that's the Captain Britain of that universe. Mm. He made it very, like, trippy. Mm-hmm. And so the universe, this universe holds the gateway to all the other universes. Oh. So our Captain Britain is special. <laughs> Why? Ca- oh, and it's because of Merlin again. Fucking Merlin. They bring <laughs> they bring back Merlin to justify why the family was blessed. So Merlin, yeah. Any British writer loves referencing King Arthur. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as that origin and them, they were expecting her to go to where she did. Uh, I don't think they ever planned on anything like that. Mm-hmm. So. Does she ever go back to kind of running around with her brother at any point? Um, they've had team ups, and I think some of the writers now grew up. So she uh, never really worked on a full team with him. He was part of Excalibur, which is a British. Um, it was a U.S. printed but British like based team. It had Shadowcat and Nightcrawler on it, mm-hmm. and then Captain Britain and a few random other characters. But Marvel didn't really care about it for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and so she never joined Excalibur but she would pop up at times. Okay. But it felt like a second-rate title. Mm. And the best way to prove it was when Excalibur began, Excalibur began to flag uh, in terms of sales, um, all the characters that were only in Excalibur were basically all killed off. Oh. So it's like Shadow, <laughs> it's like Shadow Cat and Nightcrawler could come back and play with their big teams. But then Excalibur's <laughs> like, oh, these other ones that didn't exist elsewhere, like, bye. They, <laughs> That's so sad. It's very Poochie-like, where it's like, what happened to these four characters? Like, oh, they died back on the way to their home planet. <laughs> It really is that blatant. We're literally one issue. They're all gone. Oh and it's like God. Excalibur's over the end. Uh-huh. Okay. Wow. So they they popped up. They ran into each other there. But then lately in the X-Factor run especially, you can tell the writer has a real affinity for Captain Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Psylocke and Captain Britain have a brother uh, who's older named Jamie. And he's crazy. Okay. Jamie Maddox has the ability... Or not Maddox. Um, that's multiple men. Jamie uh, Braddock. Uh, he... Has the like the warp space around you mm-hmm. and manipulate people, and he at times is crazy. So they've often battled him. Okay. So usually you'll see anytime they bring up Jamie, it's always about their relationship with kids. So it's one of the more developed, I think, families in the um, in that universe because you learn about how Jamie and the family were raised, why he always felt inferior to them, mm-hmm. and it's always this like approval relationship between these these villains, and typically or villains between the family. And typically, whenever Captain Britain or Psylocke fight him, the other one's involved. Mm-hmm. So it's a way to really advance the family story and force them together. Okay. Is there anything, or Psylocke, you have mentioned that she is a very mysterious woman. Yeah. Has there ever been, like, any questions that you had about her that, like, were never answered? Um, the Two, yeah. One is a meta question, which is, why, like, leave her alone? Like, just stop. <laughs> Let her be happy or... Well, just, like, leave her, like... Yeah, not, not, like, leave Britney alone, but, leave like... Leave Britney alone, yeah. It's like when they kept trying to change Superman. And at one point, they gave him, like, electric powers. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then they changed him. They did a lot of really dumb stuff with his powers. And, like, I get you want to experiment and play around with making the, sh- the character evolve. Mm-hmm. But it's hard when the evolution never stops. Right. And that's what happens with an ongoing series. It's like, how do you keep a character interesting? 
And then it's when you get to the crazy, weird story plots because they're like, well, we've already done everything else. How else can we make your shadow now? <laughs> you got a red tattoo. <laughs> yeah. It just it feels like these these changes are so contrite where it's like, oh, it's been two years in this big change. Let's add something new. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, especially with, I think, the writers. Any writer that came onto a book that had been established as X-Men wants to put their mark on it. And I think some writers took that too literally by insisting, you know, working with the artist being like, you and me, we're going to create a new version of this character. Uh-huh. At one point she had like, you know, uh, like a a, hair, a bob hairstyle, mm-hmm. and she had this weird like uh, sports bra on, and had like swords. She always held like an X. Oh, okay. Just to you know, because X Men, you know, uh-huh. gotta have the X out there. <laughs> yeah. So it feels like a lot of times artists just in general put a stamp on a character to change it on their run. Mm-hmm. You know, artist and writer wise to really say, oh look what we did. Yeah. Just, it's like, but it's like carving your name into something, and ridiculous. That's what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Just like making your mark. Exactly. You know, but you're literally adding a silly tattoo or a strange headgear piece or <laughs> it just it feels like the lowest common denominator, which like, what can we do to change this character? Yeah. Has she ever uh, had a solo series? Uh, only a few like mini runs. I think there's one in, in like the early 2000s, but the art is god awful. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a comic artist like I wish I was. I'm not. But there is good art and bad art. <laughs> and the fact that they gave her a bad artist, they knew it wasn't going to do anything. Oh, that's too bad. I think from time to time, I think they have to hit a publishing limit. They're like, well, let's see what happens. And the off chance it does succeed, like, yeah, if not, then six issues and it's over. Yeah. Um, where do you want to see her going? I like this darker path. I, I don't want to see her get cloned again. I don't want to see her go back to original body. Like, <laughs> I know I like smaller stories. Like Black Widow, who I know has had her own convoluted run. Like, they did a really, really good spy series with her. Um, it's just, it's a solo Black Widow title. The art is stunningly good. And it's a beautiful, beautiful series. Mm-hmm. And it's just Black Widow being a solo, you know, spy who's badass. And I think I wanted that out of Psylocke. Mm-hmm. I, they, they try to keep her as a team member. And I get it. They, have a, they already have Black Widow. Why would they have a second female kind of spy? Because mm-hmm. ninja activities could be something very similar. But I like the conspiracy stuff. I like her investigating... But again, with her as a team, even from a writing perspective, you really struggle with hiding internal motivations mm-hmm. unless you have a lot of monologues. That's, I mean, Chris Claremont definitely did that for characters, you know, the the inner monologue. But that gets old reading all of that. Mm-hmm. With a team book, it's really tough to do inner thoughts well. And I want to see Sal, like thinking and planning. She's a master strategist. I love to see like broken down scenes like a Guy Ritchie film. Like a good example is like Sherlock Holmes' Combat in those two films he did. They, he would do a really cool thing with the slowed down Matrix bullet time. I want to see Psylocke fight a room like that. Mm-hmm. You need a, a space, breathing room to do a panel and art like that. Yeah. So that's where I want her to go. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Has she ever had, has she ever been like a mentor to anybody? Like she is part of the X-Men team a lot yeah. of the times, the adults. Yeah. Um, she she has tried to teach people about psychic powers and and being taken over, mm-hmm. um, but she's she's inherently quiet. They've definitely made her cold. Mm. So I think she she's seen as a very tough and like difficult instructor. It's the kind of one you didn't know you couldn't read the you couldn't read the person, and so you're always like uh trying <laughs> to figure out where you stand. And no one seemed especially close to her, which is why I think people gave Angel or Archangel shit for dating her. Mm. Because she was seen as being very chilly and she had the reputation after seducing Cyclops. Yeah. Do uh, you think it would serve her well to kind of have like a closer relationship with anyone? Or do you think you would rather just have her be the lone wolf type of person? I mean, it sucks because I, they, they, I think they could have gone in that direction really, really well with the last storyline. 
um, in X Factor, she really does something she argues is purely strategic. When you look at it that way, it's a really smart move. But when you look at it as a human, it's a, it's really bad. And so with her, and this is her dating angel, is that yeah? What so this okay. is the yeah, this is that that the whole thing that stemmed. Um, it was pretty brutal, and I I liked it because she made a justification for combat. And then you know the guy's like, oh my god, you can't see at all. You know you you did something horrible, and you only see the combat angle mm. or the strategic angle. So I I like that kind of perspective. And then of course when he breaks up and ends it. She's devastated. Mm-hmm. And I think it's tough to do that storyline twice. Yeah. I, I think that would have been a perfect time for her to go solo. Mm-hmm. But instead, they just they jumped into her having a rebound. Mm. Who was her rebound? Uh, a couple <laughs> guys, but Phantom X was one. Oh, goodness. He, he's the French. Uh, have you seen? Do you know who that is? I know very little about him. He His costume is, just, again, this feels like a guy who's like, I got a childhood drawing and I want to make it real. Mm. Uh, white suit with a white like fedora. And guns, fedora. and guns, and yeah, it's no, it's no longer permanent part of his costume, but he had one for a while. <laughs> he just he looked like a film noir character, like mixed with like a Tron Daft Punk theme. Yeah, I think the iteration I know of him is one of the more recent ones where he has like white and red, and I don't yeah. think he has a fedora. <laughs> yeah, no longer. Uh, and he's got a balaclava, just like a that hood. But then his he's got a weird convoluted like his his life support system of his body is outside of himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, That's weird. It, it's his brain or it, it's complicated. <laughs> Again, it's like, it's, it's like, here's an interesting character, but let's make him even more messed up by adding some weird, strange, like sci-fi angle to this character. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know specifically uh, what that issue was or the run was called where, um, you know, she, she gets with the Mandarin and everything and that whole situation happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I usually will ask, you know, like what is the story that the, that you would, recommend for people who want to get into this character yeah it I sounds think, like that might be i think that that's yeah anything before just feels like they're just messing around her character is really boring i think that's a really good one to start with mm-hmm. if you want to see her now i think it's the one that will most explain who she is now because she's the sexy ninja and which one is that uh it's it's that it's that storyline you mentioned it's where uh she becomes lady mandarin it's like a four or five issue oh, oh, right, run right, right. Um, off the top of my, I actually read it recently because mm-hmm. um, there's a really beautiful hardbound Jim Lee collection. Mm. Although it shouldn't really even be called that, but it collects um, basically the run he had on X Men. Okay, and it's got a a good like four or five story arcs in that collection. But in that is the is the Mandarin Psylocke. So I just read it. Okay, um, and Jim Lee's art really helps too. Jim Lee's a really really good artist, and and seeing that story told with really pretty art made it a lot more tolerable. I think. Mm. Um, I believe it's something in the 270s or okay. 260s of the X-Men, Uncanny X-Men. But if you look up Lady Mandarin origin, you'll see like, you'll see it. Okay, cool. And then usually the last question I like to ask is what, what specifically or just in general or what is it about Psylocke that really draws you to her? I mean, for sure. I, I think in the 90s, they knew they wanted to make it sexy and make her attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was definitely, it's like, here's this exotic ninja that's pretty wearing a skimpy outfit and like can kick ass and is mysterious. It's the wish fulfillment for boys. Um, I always told my parents it was Wolverine, though, because I felt like, <laughs> you know, you kind of had to. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, my favorite character is Wolverine, but I'm like, it's really Psylocke. <laughs> but I just, yeah, it's interesting. I think people that kick ass that say very little, it's hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. But when you make it an attractive person in a swimsuit, it gets a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So you like that whole mystery of just who are you? Yeah, it's like, it, I think it makes someone really interesting where you're like, oh, what a strange life you've had when you say nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was that that made me first care about her just because she was pretty to look at. But then it just, it had growing up had the weird affinity, like always curious to see what they did with her storyline wise. I always kept in touch just to see. And, and I kind of like what they had to go with. It's, they made her interesting, mm-hmm. but then again, some of the ridiculous subplots are so silly. Mm-hmm. I would say the other one to read is her work in X factor. Okay. You get to see a lot of her darker transformation. Um, her making strategic decisions. Like she has a lot of really prominent roles in that in terms of deciding what to do and people arguing with her. Cool. Well, thank you so much for talking all about Psylocke with me. Thank you. It was fun to revisit. And actually I'll show you, uh, I brought the X-Men cards that I first, the first thing that got me into comics. Uh, And it's funny, you'll see Psylocke's like the artist that really turned me on to her style. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, where can people find you and the stuff you're working on? Yeah, I am a game designer and writer. Uh, I have a website and a Twitter that I don't use. Okay. Um, (laughs) My website is TommyHonton.com, T-O-M-M-Y-H-O-N-T-O-N.com. I, yeah, I do writing um, and then have an escape room working on with my writing partner so that we're hoping to open in a month or so. And it's called Stash House. Nice. But, well, thank you so much. Oh, wait. You have one other thing that you actually do on our network. Oh, yes. And I'm also the co-host of um, of Supercharged with Adam. Yeah. There you go. That too. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> I'm a bad person. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we forgive you. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Tommy Hunting with Psylocke. Do-do-do-do. All right, so that's the end of the show. But before we go, I have a recommendation for you. Okay, no more singing for the rest of the episode. I have a recommendation. All right, so I recently, and by recently, I mean just last week, started watching American Gods. And wow, it's all over already. Like not completely over because I got season two coming, hopefully like tomorrow because I need it. Um, But it, it's this first season is done and I am not happy about that because it is a wonderful show. Uh, visually, it's exciting. It's very exciting visually. Um, dialogue wise, I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. It's slow and it's heavy. So uh, if you're okay with that, definitely watch this show. Uh, this is uh, just it. what they do with 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 the show visually and and musically and sound effects wise is insane there was a thing that happened in the in the finale which is not really going to be a spoiler but there's like a sort of battle between two characters and the way they do the battle is it's kind of like a word off like they're just speaking to each other and there's like a dance sequence happening around them and and they're just having this like like speak off like I don't even know what to call it but it's being done to music and they're like rhythmically going with the music but they're not singing they're just speaking to each other and it's oh it was just amazing and like the whole show is kind of like that not like that with the music exactly and the speaking exactly but just like they it's very innovative to me in my opinion it's very innovative and um brian fuller is the one who's uh producing it and i don't know if he's writing or anything i'm really bad at figuring out who does anything on what shows but this is a neil gaiman uh not show but like he wrote this book and now it's comic books which i'm definitely going to be picking up now because this show was so amazing um i think dark horse uh publishes the the american gods books uh this I think they just started coming out a couple months ago too. So they're very brand new. Um, I'm going to be checking them out, but 
watch the show. Like if you, if you want an experience <laughs> and, and I don't think I say that lightly <laughs> experience, but if you want an experience, like definitely check out the show. It's amazing what, what, what they're doing with it. And I, I saw that they weren't nominated for any Emmys and I was like, Oh, it's probably because they came out too late in the season to be nominated for any Emmys. But next year they're going to sweep. Like if they don't sweep, I'm going to be so pissed because Jesus, it's such a good show. And and there's Jesus. Um, <laughs> that's that's it for the show, though. Uh, yeah, if logistic stuff now. I almost started singing and then I stopped myself. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's talk about business. I'm at Twitter on Interview a Nerd. The website is interviewacomicnerd.com or Comic Book Nerd. Yeah, interviewacomicbooknerd.com. Remember, all the episodes are posted there. Ugh, I sped through that one. All the episodes are posted there and you can comment on any of the episodes that you want. If there's anything that I got wrong, then uh, you can just comment in there or if there's anything that you agree with, disagree with, whatever it is, uh, I I welcome you uh, to, to post. Uh, I don't know if I've said this in the past. I probably did, but I like having conversations with people about this kind of stuff. Like I'd rather not just go on Google and and find out, you know, why uh Psylocke wears skimpy outfits like I don't want to google it when I can have a conversation about it so uh yeah if 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 there's anything you want to comment about go ahead and do that also uh go to the Apple podcasts and um I think that's what they're calling it now it's like not iTunes it's not kosher to call them iTunes anymore <laughs> go to Apple podcasts and and give me a rating on there it takes a minute of your time, you know, just go click on the five on the fifth star to the right <laughs> um, and and give me give me a, a nice little rating there. Um, I enjoy doing this show so much uh, for you guys and for myself, honestly, who am I kidding? So there will be plenty more. I'm not going anywhere for a while. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't think that there's anything else I need to talk about. Uh, let's just sit here in silence for a while and think about what we what, how we're feeling, you know, after that whole thing. I, th I think that's enough time. All right, everyone. Have a lovely rest of the week. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your life. Be good to one another. Remember, always be kind and be lovely. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>